Hey, the Detroit Move is here. Hi, this is Mike Latulip, and I have a brand new show on WDET where we explore the musical mutations from R&B and soul to punk and rock and roll. Tune into the Detroit Move every Tuesday at 8 p.m. here on 1019 WDET. This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shana Roth, and I am joined this week by none other than friend of the show, Craig Mogger of the Detroit News. Hello, Craig. Thank you so much for having me, and I have to give a shout out to Jake. I, I miss him dearly. We have a primary for governor coming up in less than three months, and this has been a very, very quiet lead up, right? There's about a dozen-ish candidates running. Super smooth sailing for all of them, right? It's It's been one of the wildest races that I've seen in a while. And, you know, after the 2020 election, as a reporter, you know, I kind of thought I'll never cover an election that is, you know, crazier than than this one. And, and 2022 is shaping up to really test uh, test that theory. So to catch people up, there was a major board of state canvassers meeting on Thursday, which I must say, the number of times that I have talked about a major board of state canvassers meeting since I became a journalist is is way more than I ever thought I would. That's the board responsible for finalizing what is on the ballot come November, and in this case, for the primary in August. And this week, they said that several Republican candidates for governor are not going to be on the ballot. And Craig, you were there for all of the commotion. What happened? I have a personal theory that if canvasser Norm Schinkel is in the news, that means something wild is going on with Michigan election. <laughs> so, you know, he, he was, of course, highly involved with the, the debate over whether to certify the 2020 election. And now you have Norm Schinkel chairing the board of canvassers as, as this fight is happening over these petition signatures. But what, but what happened is the Bureau of Elections went through the candidates' uh, signatures that they have to file to get on the ballot for the primary election. And they found what they described as a, was a unprecedented wave of forgeries. Circulators have allegedly forged, you know, 68,000 petition signatures, according to the Bureau of Elections. And the question before the Board of Canvassers on Thursday was whether those candidates who were caught up in this wave of petition forgery should have their names on the ballot or not. And what did they end up deciding? As many of us expected, this board, which has two Republicans and two Democrats, deadlocked along party lines, which means that these five candidates for governor and a few other candidates for other offices will not, as of right now, have their names on the primary ballot. This is huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. Because included in this group of candidates who are now set not to have their names on the primary ballot are former Detroit Police Chief James Craig, who many people view as the front runner in this race for governor on the GOP side for the nomination. And also Perry Johnson, a businessman from Bloomfield Hills, who has already spent at least I've heard $4 million on TV advertisements to promote his campaign. These are the two people that were near near the top of the field in early polling on the GOP side. So this completely shakes up the race. It's not over yet. It's not certain that they're not going to have their names on the ballot. But at this moment, their names are not on the ballot. And one of those very 
unhappy candidates was Donna Brandenburg. And here is a clip of her from the meeting on Thursday during her statement to the board about the number of signatures she says she dropped off versus the number of signatures that the board reviewed. So about 27,000 is what you're thinking you dropped off. And this report indicates you filed 17,000. I have no idea what happened. And we have copies of all of them. So what happened? First, we had it hidden that you guys had evidence, the state had evidence that the petition gatherers were fraudulent and we were never notified. I found out through texts from people that saw this in the media. This is a goat rodeo. What happens next? What happens next is likely all of these candidates or some of these candidates are going to challenge this finding from the Board of Canvassers in court. They're going to argue which this is a, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to downplay this. They have a very good argument. Their argument is the Bureau of Elections did not individually invalidate every signature. You know, it, it, it appears in the law, the law indicates to some experts, I should say, that the Bureau needs to look and analyze specifically each of the signatures that they're saying is fraudulent. The Bureau is acknowledging that they did not examine every individual signature. That is a potential problem for the Bureau. Uh, and the, the people who have been kicked off the ballot are going to argue in court that they didn't look at every signature. So how do they know that all these signatures should be invalidated? And it's going to be up, the, up to the courts to decide this. I mean, this is a very open legal question. Both sides have very good legal arguments. You have the Bureau saying, we've uncovered rampant forgery. How can we allow people on the ballot who turned in fraudulent signatures, and you have the candidates saying, how do you know every one of these signatures that I turned in is fraudulent if you did not specifically examine every signature? No matter what your political view is, you can kind of see why this is a difficult question. The Bureau did not, according to them, have the time to look at every signature. Is that enough? Take a choice away from the voters? It's a it's a fascinating question. I mean, this is these are going to be court cases that is could have a huge impact on how we do elections going forward, because if the court decides that the canvassers have to check every single signature, I I, I don't know how we fund that. I mean, when you've got this many candidates, this many signatures, they each needed 15,000 valid signatures. How do you get the manpower for the canvassers to be able to go through and validate every single signature? Yeah, and it's an extremely tight time frame. These candidates had to turn in their signatures by April 19th. That's not that long ago, a little bit over a month. And within a week of April 19th, anyone challenging the petition signatures had to submit their challenge. That's not a lot of time for challengers. And then it's not a lot of time for the Bureau to go through all of these candidates' signatures. It's not just the candidates for governor. It's the candidates for Congress. It's the candidates for judicial positions. They have to look at all these signatures. They can't just be like, James Craig is the biggest candidate. We're just going to look at his signatures. And the precedent that is set now, as you very intelligently stated, is going to be the precedent going forward. You know, one day there are going to be Democratic candidates who are going to get caught up in something like this. How is this going to be handled? I mean, both parties, there are going to be implications for them. And this is going to happen quickly. I mean, the, the courts do not have a lot of time to make this decision. Basically, military ballots have to be ready by, I believe, June 18th. The State uh, Bureau of Elections is saying that they want this resolved by June 3rd. June 3rd. That is not far away. 
That's weeks. That is weeks away. So backing up just a little bit, what does this mean for the Republican field? You had quite a number of candidates before. And now, as you mentioned earlier, they're one of their biggest name recognition candidates, uh, former police chief James Craig, and their richest candidate in Perry Johnson are are potentially out and maybe not able to come back in. So what is this going to mean for the Republican primary? I mean, it, it just means a complete reset of the race that we were expecting to have. I mean, this race was taking one form and, and someone just kind of came out and said, hey, wait a second. You might be a halfway in, uh, you know, around the track, uh, but we need to start over. Everyone go back to the starting block. There was a false start. We've got to start it over. I mean, that, that's essentially what it is. You're taking out these two candidates that everyone assumed would be there in the end among the contenders. And, and now it's now it's going to be focused on three people. It's going to be focused on Tudor Dixon, a conservative commentator from West Michigan. It's going to be focused on Kevin Rinke. Uh, self-funding businessman from Metro Detroit. It's going to be focused on Garrett Saldano, a chiropractor from the Kalamazoo area. I mean, if these people are kept off the ballot, these three candidates jump forward to now being at the center of this race. And according to a lot of political consultants that, you know, we've been talking to in recent days, Donald Trump becomes that much bigger of a potential factor in this race because these candidates are relatively unknown. A lot of people believe whoever Donald Trump endorses now is going to be the heavy favorite. And he seems to be leaning towards Tudor Dixon along with the DeVos family, right? Yeah. So the DeVos family has gotten on board with Tudor Dixon, which you can't. That is a big deal in Republican politics. Uh, you would expect that there are going to be other uh, business people that see how the DeVosses decided this and probably follow them to Tudor Dixon. Uh, Donald Trump, his endorsement was always going to be a big deal in this race. Uh, but now if he if he moves to Tudor Dixon as well, if you get this coalition of the DeVos family and Trump, that is a that is just a really powerful coalition that speaks to both sides of the the fight happening within the GOP uh, right now. A lot of people kind of assumed that the Trump nomination was going to be a jump ball between Tudor Dixon and Perry Johnson. Those were two of the big name candidates really fighting for it. If Perry's out of the race, it seems like Tudor has a lane there to get this endorsement. It's just going to be a question of. Is Donald Trump willing to risk a loss in this race if he goes with Tudor Dixon, who's a relative unknown? There is a political risk for Donald Trump as well. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, I mean, it's just going to be very interesting if he does to see, you know, you've got the DeVosses, which are very pinnacle establishment Republican in Michigan. And then you've got Trump, who's sort of creating, in a way, his own political party in to see if those two are able to come together into this sort of Tudor Dixon super candidate. I mean, yeah. if that happens, if and I'm Governor Whitmer, I'm I'm a little bit concerned there. And speaking of Whitmer, I mean, what do you think she's feeling about all of this? This shaking up is this is going to help her out? I mean, I think anything for the from the Democrats. I mean, they've been sowing a narrative that there's chaos within the Michigan Republican Party, and I believe you know this stuff with the signatures feeds into that narrative, and they're going to continue to emphasize that and use that. And it's a it ultimately. You know, all of this uncertainty this close to the primary election is a good thing. It's a good thing for the Democrats. It could, you know, I want to couch this in. 
it could come back to bite them, though. And we often see this in politics. Something that someone does as a, as a strategic move to benefit themselves actually works out the opposite of what they were thinking. Tudor Dixon, a lot of Republicans, I mean, a lot of Republicans uh, in Lansing believe that Tudor Dixon is ultimately the best general election GOP candidate. It's, she's gotten a lot of endorsements from people whose names are also going to be on the ballot. And that's a sign of this. Getting Perry Johnson and James Craig out of the race gives her a better chance of getting the nomination. And again, I've said this multiple times throughout this election cycle. If you would have told me after 2020 that, the, that there was a candidate running for the GOP nomination for governor and they had Betsy DeVos's backing and they had Donald Trump's backing, which she doesn't have yet, but she might get. They had Betsy DeVos's backing. They had Donald Trump's backing. And a lot of Republicans viewed that person as the best general election candidate. I would have said that person's probably going to get the nomination, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it just it seems so likely at this point. But then again, you never know, because this is all moving incredibly fast. And we got court decisions that we're going to be looking for over the next few weeks. Yes, it's all moving fast. There's going to be court decisions very quickly. The courts are used to dealing with these election-related cases, so it's going to happen quickly. And just hold on. That's all I can say. Hold on to your seats here. It's going to be wild. <laughs> all right, Craig Mogger for the Detroit News. Thank you so much for, for uh, calling in from your car to, to be with me today on Mishmash. I, I am in my car outside the state capitol. It's a lovely day in Lansing.